Go with me to Leviticus 19. The title of the message is Love in Action. It is an action verb. And I, I want you to stand with me. I'm going to read two passages to you from Leviticus. So Leviticus 19.19. 19. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let uh, your livestock breed with another kind. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed. Now watch this, what I put in red ink. Nor shall a garment be mixed, linen and wool come upon you. So essentially, mixed linen is flax, okay, and wool made from a sheep. What does that have to do with us? Why, you know, why would God say to the Israelites, you are not to mix linen with wool? And Faith said, to, oh, Gloria said to me tonight, maybe it was because he didn't want them to go, go through the desert itching like that. That is a better reason. But you got to stick around until the end of the message to get it. So if you're sitting at home because you don't want to come to church tonight, don't flip it off to watch your favorite TV show. Wait, and you're going to get the answer. Leviticus 19, verse 8. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. How many of you realize that came from the Old Testament? Second greatest commandment. So, Father, open up our hearts to your word. Lord God, your entire word is relevant. You said, Jesus, that you didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And there's fulfillment here, Lord God, in our lives. So we pray that, Lord God, you'd open up our hearts and minds. We sit at your feet. Give us ears to hear. Lord, give us eyes to see. And minister to us tonight, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. You can be seated. So, love in action, right? Love is a verb. It is an action verb. So when you go through the Old Testament, if you're looking at the Torah, the law, there are 613 commandments of Moses. And what you're going to notice as you go through the Bible, God narrows them. So you see, you see a narrowing right within the 613. You have the Ten Commandments. And then when you come to the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 23, 37 through 40, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. Agape. That's the word that's used. What, is, what does agape mean? It's the highest form of love. Selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional love. It persists no matter the circumstances. It's always giving and devotes total commitment Really, to seek the highest good, to seek the highest best for its object, for the person, okay? Whether it's God or, or it's the individual. But it, it's, it, it's, it's an action verb. It's, it's not mush-mush. We spoke about agape, you know, being sloppy agape. Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Right? Look, look at, at what is said in 1 John 3, 16 through 18. But this we know, love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? 
My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And again, you see the picture. It's, it's, it's an action verb. Love is, is proactive. So when you come to Leviticus 19, all these laws and rules, right? And everybody, you know, usually skips through them. Right? We don't, they, they, they don't apply to us because we're not under the law. But what you see here is, is again, a very practical application of love and love in action. There's a lot of verses that deal with God and loving Him. I'm just going to focus tonight, for the most part, on the ones that deal with loving people. So the first, the first, I'm going to move quickly through a number of these. Leviticus um, 19.3, love honors parents, right? Which commandment is that? Yeah, it's number five, right? Honor your father and mother. Le- Leviticus chapter 19.3, every one of you shall revere his mother and father and keep my Sabbaths, I am the Lord your God. That is um, the fifth commandment. Revere, respect, honor. It's repeated in the New Testament, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. Notice he says it's the first commandment. It's the first commandment dealing with human relationships. The first four of the Ten Commandments dealt with the relationship with God. Which is the first commandment with promise. And notice the promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. I've always wondered too, if you're not honoring your parents, they may kill you before you have an opportunity to live long on the earth. So it's just, just again, loving mom and dad, honoring them, respecting them. Number two, love cares for the poor. So in in verses 9 through 10, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, and you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So the idea here is you, you have, right, a garden. You reap from the inside of the garden, but you leave the outskirts of the garden. Maybe there's three, four rows of tomatoes and peppers, right, and corn, wheat. Well, you leave that out so the poor can come in and glean and get a little bit for themselves. That's the, the picture of the passage. So we don't have farms, right? Uh, we don't have gardens. Even if you have a garden in your backyard, right, the people, the neighbors aren't coming over and gleaning from it. But I think here is just, it's a, it's a simple command. We should have some left, right? We should put some aside for the poor. One of my favorite ministries that, that I have been supporting, my family has been supporting, is Compassion International, which, I don't know what it is now, $38, $40 a month. You can support a child, give them a Christian education, put a roof over their head, and feed them. And there are hungry children all over the world, everywhere. Right? Even here in the United States. I think you can even adopt a child from the United States. And, but I think, I think that, that really you know, is love in action. You know, we, we have so much. We eat so much, right? We consume. We're consumer. America is the, the, the nation of maniac consumers. We consume 34% of the entire world, yet, yet we make up really a small portion of the population of the world. Our refrigerators are filled. This just adopting a child. Just that's leaving leaving some so that the poor can glean. And um, my wife supports. Uh, I support compassion. She supports another. I forget who it is that she supports. World Vision. She's got a child from World Vision. 
It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay, number three. By the way, I hope you wrote that down. Compassion International, adopt a child this week. Don't let it just go in one ear and out the other. So love doesn't take advantage of others. And what you have here, this next passage, verse 11 and 12 of Leviticus, it talks about the third commandment, the eighth commandment, and the ninth commandment. Okay, third, third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Uh, eighth commandment, you shall not steal. Ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So look at verses 11 and 12. You shall not steal. I mean, if you love somebody, you're not going to steal from them, right? Like, if you're, really, if you're really looking out, if I'm looking out for the highest good of someone, I'm not going to steal from them. And we live in a world where people just steal like crazy. I saw, I saw this video. <laughs> it was great. It was on YouTube. It was like I was actually watching something very serious, and I saw this pop up. But it was this, this group. They take a bicycle, and they, they, they basically put a chain on the back of the bike, and they leave it in a park. And it's all the knuckleheads who go and get on the bike and try to ride it away, and then when they hit the chain, boom, they go flying over. But it was, I was amazed at how many people tried to steal the bike. Now, if you really care for somebody, and you, you know, you're seeking to do unto others what you would want them to do unto you, you're not going to steal from them. Um, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. If you really love someone, are you going to lie to them? Think about it. If you're really loving someone, you want, to, you want to be transparent. You want to live a transparent life in front of them. And then it says, and you shall not swear by the name falsely, by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of the Lord God. I am the Lord. That's the third commandment. But just again, it focuses on the third and then the eighth and the ninth. Number four, love pays what it owes. Kid cut your lawn. Pay him. <laughs> Don't hold back his wages for a week. You got the money, pay him. And that's what it tells us in the 13th verse. You shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. You, you know, if somebody does a job for you, you pay them. In, in James, this is repeated in James chapter 5, verse 4 through 6. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and you have murdered the just. Uh, he does not uh, resist you. It's just if, if, if you hire somebody or to cut your lawn or you, you know, the carpenter comes to do some work or the plumber comes to do some work or the electrician comes to do some work, pay them, right? Just you don't hold back their, you know, their pay when you have the money to pay them. And uh, just again, if you're really, again, if you're loving people and looking out for the good of people and looking out for them, you're going to pay them. It's amazing how many people play this game though, right? Remember, when I was younger, I took a job working for a company, and after a week, I just, I mean, and I had a lot of those jobs when I was 20. I had like 20, I had 21 W-2 forms <laughs> when I was 20 years old. I worked, I worked at, you know, as a car, as a, well, I worked, I worked as a, as a bouncer, I worked construction, I worked in a dairy store, I worked in a toy store, uh, I worked as a welder, 
Uh, I worked for, as a laborer for um, a carpenter. And, um, but I worked, took this one job, and you know, they told me it was going to be like an 8 to 4 job, and my whole thing was getting in the gym and training at night. And suddenly I'm working 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and I'm not missing my workouts, and that was my priority. So I basically said to them, I'm going to have to leave, and they owed me for two weeks, and they held it back. And, um, you know, they just, they, and I called, called them, and I called them, and I finally called the Fair Wage and Labor Board, and uh, after one call from the Fair Wage and Labor Board, I got, I got the check. But just playing, you know, playing games, playing games. And um, just, you know, love, you know, love doesn't hold back what it owes to people. Number five, love doesn't afflict the afflicted. And maybe some of us would have a hard time, but there are people who do this. Leviticus 19, 14, You shall not curse the deaf, nor put stumbling blocks before the blind, but shall fear the Lord. I am the Lord, right? You don't abuse handicapped people. The deaf, the blind, the people who are challenged. But you see that. We see that. We see it a lot with kids. But you also see it with adults. Bullying of people who are, you know, who are challenged. And love doesn't do that, right? You look at that and you say, who, you know, who would do that? Uh, number six, love doesn't show favoritism. And uh, Leviticus 9.15, you shall not do injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall uh, judge your neighbor, right? You're not going to favor one person above another. So James, James, uh, again, you find him, you know, he talks about this in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. He says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For there should um, come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel. And there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes. By the way, the guy with fine apparel, he, he just doesn't come to living word. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but... We don't see people coming in here with, <laughs> with um, you know, $2,000 suits. And um, so I just, you know, the idea here is you don't show favoritism to the rich guy over the poor guy. The finely dressed person over the person who is uh, not finely dressed. In verse 3 it says, And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, You stand there. Or sit there at my footstool. You have not shown uh, partiality. Uh, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my, uh, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and the heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not uh, the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the name uh, by which you are called? So it's just showing partiality. I want to tell you. I want to tell you a story. So I was young in the in the ministry. I wasn't here at Living Word. I, the only two churches that I've been in, and the first church I was in, there was a man who came to the church, and he was a celebrity. And um, he was a celebrity in the sports world. And the pastor asked if I would counsel him. So I'm counseling him, and he had major issues. He was dealing dealing with major issues. But the pastor asked him to be the speaker at our men's meeting. And um, he should not have been asked to be the speaker. So this is what we do. We, we take somebody who's 
maybe successful in business or successful in the sports world or successful in, you know, in media, and they come to the Lord, and then we put them in front of the, of the entire church. So um, the morning that he was speaking, and again, he shouldn't have been there speaking, uh, the man who did the maintenance in the church, who was a wonderful spiritual man, I mean, and he, and he is today. He's a wonderfully, God, I mean, godly servant of the Lord. And um, just willing to do anything for God. And so he was setting up chairs because people kept coming in. Because the church filled up because there were so many people who wanted to hear this celebrity. And um, he was clanging the chairs. And a bunch of people yelled at him. Right? Some of the leaders in the church yelled at him. And I was just sitting there looking at this and saying, here they are glorifying this man. And if they knew what was going on in his life, there ain't no way he would be up there. And here's the servant of God, humbly, you know, doing the most menial things for the kingdom of God, and they're yelling at him. And uh, that's the, the picture. And there, there was, I'll say that there, there was some of that at times in that church that um, the professional athletes who came, everybody's swooning over them. Come sit, sit in the front row. And, you know, the poor guy who comes in, who, who, you know, who gives a damn? We don't care about him. And, and that's something he, re, he rebukes us, you know, about. Remember what we had Dallas Strawberry here? Dallas Strawberry, humble, born again. He, I mean, grown in Christ. It was good bringing him here to share. And, uh, you know, World Series champion with the Mets, three three World Series with the Yankees, and uh, gave his life to the broke, ruined, lost everything, went from his Rolls Royce to driving his mother-in-law's Corvair, and he shared he shared about Christ. And he's a, he's now he's now a pastor. He's an ordained pastor. And um, when Dow was here, I had brothers come and say, every every this is how you build the church. Every month, you get a celebrity to come in. Uh, I didn't feel like that was... Uh, I mean, if they were truly saved, but I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of people in the body of Christ who could share the word. So, just a warning against... Love, isn't, you know, love doesn't show favoritism. Number six, love doesn't gossip or slander. I mean, think about it. If you really love someone, are you going to gossip about them? If you really love somebody, are you going to slander them? And Leviticus 19.16, you shall not go about as a talebearer. The word is rakil. Rakil. R-A-K-I-L-L. That's how you spell the Hebrew word in English. It, I'll tell you, it's like you kill people with gossip. You kill people with slander. And so you shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. What's the difference between gossip and slander? So gossip, according to Webster, a person who chatters or repeats idle talk and rumors, especially about the private affairs of others, and slander the utterance in the presence of another person of a fall is purely false. See, the gossip may be true. Okay, it may be true. It could be a rumor. But slander is, is a flat-out lie, false statement, or statements damaging to the third person's character and reputation. I mean, again, if you love someone, are you going to gossip about them? You love somebody, are you going to slander them? 
I, I, I don't think so. And I just want to show you in Scripture, there's a number of places where gossip and slander is put into a context. Look, look at this, just Romans chapter 1, 29-32. Gossip and slander, okay, it's put in there. You look at this with wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, with murder. We is essentially what it is. You're murdering the person's character. How many people have been destroyed? I mean, think, just think about the previous president, right? The dossier, it, it's been totally proven to be false. And if you know what they said he did, it was pretty, it was pretty horrible stuff. And um, I, I saw last night a, a brother who um, has a, a ministry, African-American brother, ex-NFL football player, and I forget his name. I've seen him before. He has a ministry with kids in the inner cities, and he's really there with the kids, and he cares for the kids. And um, he, he has the kids living, and these are kids, and these are boys without fathers, which is plaguing. It plagues our country. 50% without, um, you know, they, they do not have, their dad just wasn't there for them. And um, he uh, cares for these kids. And they had come out and taken a stand um, against some of the policies that are now being taught in the schools. And, um, you know, he's, I mean, some of the teaching things in, in the schools that, you know, if you're white, you're evil. I mean, it, it's, like, it's like going back to where people would be saying that, you know, down south about, about black people. And um, what is that called? What are the initials? CRT, right? Yeah, critical race theory. And so he's taking a stand against it, saying, you know what? God has created us all in his image and likeness. And you know what? It's, it's you know, we're, we're, not, we're not, you know, any one race more evil than the other. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we need the grace of God. I mean, he's a wonderful, wonderful Christian man. And um, MSLSD, one of the reporters, she gets on and she's calling him a racist just attacking him. He's a racist. He's saying, man, I got all these kids living in my house. They're sleeping on my couch. They're filling my bed. We're looking after them, but he's a racist. And that's, that's slander. That's pure slander. Just let's destroy his character. Destroy his character. And um, well, Jesus said, right, if we're going to stand with him, if they did it to him, they'll do it to us. Number seven is, is love is not hateful or vengeful or holds grudges. It's really a warning about, about vengeance. Look at verse 17 through 18. It says, And you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. And you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So picture here, someone has done harm to you, right? You, you, you become angry, you don't deal with it. You let it fester. You let it simmer. You let it boil, right? And now you become vengeful. Now you're you're you're, you're now you're, you're you're out to get them because you haven't dealt with it. Notice, notice what the passage says. It says, "You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor." See how that's in there? If someone has hurt you, what should you do? Go and have a conversation with them. 
What does Jesus say in the New Testament? I mean, this, this, this is a great, this, this is relationship 101. And people need to grow up and, and, and accept this and, and live in this. By the way, it will solve most of your, your relational problems. He said, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between the two of you, you and him. You got a problem with somebody, go to them. Okay? That takes courage. Cowardly, right? The cowardly person ain't going to go and confront them. They're going to they're scheme and they're going to get angry. They're going to figure out a way I want to get even with them. Maybe slander them, gossip about them, try to hurt them. It takes courage. I said, people come to me and they say, well, you know, you know, I got a problem with so-and-so. Why are you coming to me and telling me that? I usually tell people, I've told people, shut up. I don't want to hear it. Shut up. Shut your mouth. Stop talking about them. Go and have the courage and have a conversation with them. And look at, look at what Jesus said. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. Right? There it is. 99% of the time, it's going to be resolved there. 99% of the time. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now you need to take a couple with you, take one with you, two with you. And then you sit down and you try to work through it. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Now you bring it to the leadership. Rarely does it come to the leadership. A few times. I'm 40 years in this thing. It's come to me a few times. Maybe some of them were never, you know, they never went and talked about it. But it's, it's very rare that we have to be brought in and sit down with some people and try to resolve the situation. If they do it, it gets resolved. And if he refuses to hear the church, right, to tell it to the church, if he refuses even to hear the church... Let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector, and remove him. I've removed two people from the church in 30 years. And, and this is the process. The person who had an issue, they brought some of the elders with them, tried to resolve it, couldn't resolve it. It was brought then to, uh, to me and, uh, and the elders, and we sat down, and the person was um, absolutely unrepentive, and they were stirring up. They wanted to you know, stir up people, create division. And I just said, you need to leave. You need to never come back here again. You're, you're basically excommunicated from the church. And, um, but it, it, really, it really comes to that. People have the guts to be able to confront, to confront someone. And uh, Romans, Romans 17, 7 through 21, repay no one for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men, if it is possible as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. You ever have somebody like, really, they're, they're angry at you and you're nice to them? <laughs> it's amazing. It's, I used to get very defensive as a young pastor. Someone come up to me and say, you know, this, I used to get this one a lot. I still get it sometimes. Pastor, you walked right past me and you didn't say hello to me. <laughs> Sunday morning, right? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm in, I'm in heaven zone. I'm in this zone a couple times a week and I walk in here and I'm, I'm thinking about just preaching. I walk past me, Pastor, you know, you seem so uncaring. You didn't stop and say hello to me. 
And um, so I, I used to be, well, you know, stop being a baby, grow up, right? Put your man pants. I, that's, that was kind of Martin. But now I found just like, you know what? You're right. You're right. I do that. Um, I not, not excuses. I, I do it. I'm sorry for it. Uh, I need to get better at it. You know what that does to the person? It just makes them mush mush. <laughs> they, it, you totally disarm them. And you've got to do it sincerely. You, gotta, you, know, you can't be faking it. It has to be sincere. But just by being nice. Right? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him to, uh, you know, something to drink. And for in so doing, you will heap fires of coal on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I heard, heard a, a great leader years ago just saying, I'm saying sorry all the time. That's what he said. He's leading like an organization. He's got 10,000 people. I'm saying sorry all the time. I have to say sorry to people all the time. And, and there's a humility there. We make mistakes, right? We're all like porcupines. And the porcupines have to huddle together and hibernate to survive. And as the church, when we hibernate and come together, we stick each other. I'm the only normal person in this room tonight. Right? That's what we think. Everybody else is so weird. I'm the only normal one. Of course, that's not true. Okay, number eight. Love respects the elderly. So in 1932, you shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. By the way, you can insert bald-headed in there instead of gray-headed. And look at look at First Timothy five one. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, young men as brothers. It's a great way to walk through the church. Treat the older men as your fathers and the older women as your mothers. Treat the younger women, right? As your sisters, and the younger brothers as your uh, brothers. And you treat the you treat the really young as your children. And that's a great way for us to walk, you know, we walk softly through, you know, through the church. Uh, number nine, love treats strangers well. Strangers. What a, what a, what a word, strange, right there, they're strange. strange. A stranger comes into the church, they're, they're strange. And um, Leviticus chapter 19, 33 to 34 and if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You know something? We don't call them strangers, nor do we call them visitors. They are our guests. But when a guest comes in here, welcome them. What, what kept me, you know, I, I, went, I went to the Maranatha Church I remember the man's name, Bob Hillary. He was an usher. And Bob Hillary came up to me the first time I walked, and it was, it was strange. I mean, I, everybody in that place, it was strange. It's like, like here, you know, like drums. I'm in a church with drums and guitars, and people are clapping their hands. Some of them were waving. They, they, do, they, used, they do the one-arm wave there. They weren't doing the whole hand thing, but strange. I felt strange in that. I'm, you know, I accepted the Lord, but I was so unholy. And I'm with all these holy people. 
and I just felt so out of place. And um, this man, Bob Hillary, came up to me, and he shook my hand. He said, what's your name? I said, I said, Frank, my wife, Sue. Sue wasn't saved at the time. And the next week I came back, he came up to me, and he said, hey, Frank, hey, Sue, how you doing? And that handshake and that man made me come back to that church because I did not feel, I felt very out of place in that church. I was more conservative, you know, and I did, I did go, for a brief time, I went to a very conservative evangelical church where, you know, you just sat, nobody stood, um, you know, it was, it was good, good preaching. Uh, they played, they rang the bells, you know, they had a choir. Most of the people in the church didn't sing the songs, but, you know, I, I went to that church and um, I felt more f- I fit in there. Plus, nobody ever came up and talked to me, which was great. It was great. I, I used to come to the early service, and there was just a handful of people there. And what was great, too, um, I think this is, this is kind of funny. I went there. Nobody ever said hello to me there for a number of weeks. And then one day I came in, and see, I used to wear my jacket. So Because they all wore jackets. And the women, they all wore dresses with a flower and their hair up. And... Um, and I didn't wear, I wore a jacket. I had one jacket. It was a 57-inch chest. That's how it was, 57 inches, because I was like 260, 70 pounds. And I was like a barrel. And I, you know, it came up to here. You know, I, I couldn't close it. I couldn't button it. But I came in with a jacket on. I kind of fit in. But one day we had a picnic. And um, Sue and I, I had to go home and get Sue. Sue. Sue wouldn't go to church with me. She thought I was nuts. So, um... I had to go to the picnic after, so I wore my painter pants. By the way, those are pretty much the only pants that fit me. Um, you know, big, huge, baggy painter. I wore painter pants and flannel shirts. That's what I lived in. Uh, so I wore that to church. And the usher came up to me, and he stuck a track in my face, a salvation track. Because I think he, he thought I didn't have a jacket on. I could have probably not saved because everybody in the church who apparently was saved wore a jacket. But he didn't say, he didn't say hi. He said, here. <laughs> That's what he did. And, um, and then Sue was willing to go to uh, the church, Maranatha. Again, I went in there. I felt strange. But Bob Hillary's handshake and remembering my name. And that's where I got ordained. And from there, started Living Word Community Church. In Hebrews chapter 13, 1, it says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You know what? Maybe they've come in here. Number 10, love is honest. In Leviticus 19, 35 and 36, you shall, not, uh, you shall do no injustice and judgment and measurement of length, weight, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, an honest effa, an honest hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Just, you know, when you're doing business, right? We don't lie. We don't exaggerate. We don't promise what we can't deliver on. Right? Just the, the idea, right? Honest scales throughout the book of Proverbs, talks about all the time. Honest scales, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is the delight. You know, think, think about how much, you know, of media, I mean, you know, use this toothpaste. 
it's going to make your teeth... How many of you know you get the whitening toothpaste? How many of you have whiter teeth from the whitening toothpaste? But, you know, they not only promise it's going to make your teeth white, it makes you, it's going to make you more beautiful and more handsome, and people are going to flock to you, and you're going to be the hit of the party, right? It's just, it's just these, these promises, the exaggerations. That's, that's, you know, basically, that's deception. And, uh, and you know, people, people make those promises, those promises all day. They promise you they're going to do something and do it, and they don't deliver it. So just, it, it's love in action, I'm, a, I'm extremely pragmatic. I, I'm, I, you know, to the point maybe it bothers some of you. I'm extremely practical. I am not a touchy-feely person. I am not a mush-mush. And I just, you know, if, if, if you're going to say you love somebody, you better damn show it. You better be willing to put your life, your money, where, where your mouth is. And I think that's exactly, that's exactly what Jesus has given us in agape love. It's, it's, it's proactive. Okay. So you stayed here, and you've waited. You've waited for the bonus. The bonus of Leviticus 19.19. Don't mix linen and wool together. You'll have ishy underwear. No, 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 that's not what he was talking about. Leviticus 19.19. Nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. Why? Why? And there's a, there's a beautiful revelation about Yeshua in that phrase. You've got to dig a little deep. What was the garment, and some of you may remember this, the high priest's garment? Exodus chapter 28. All right, what was it made from, though? It was made from linen and wool. It was linen and wool weaved together. They shall take the gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread and the fine linen, and they shall make the effort of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen artistically worked. It was something that was only worn by the high priest. Who is the high priest? A foreshadow of. Who is our high priest? Jesus. Something very sacred. Don't do what the high priest, don't wear what the high priest wears. It's something sacred. Now let me ask you this. There's another place in scripture where wool and linen are woven together. Does anybody know where it is in the book of Exodus? Think for a second. Yeah, but where in the tabernacle? Yeah. Look, in Exodus chapter 26, 31, you shall make a veil woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen. And it shall be woven with an artistic design of cherubim. So, by the way, if you understand this, essentially what you have is it's flax. They would, they would weave flax together. And linen, the linen comes from the lamb. So you, you, if you look, flax comes from the earth. But the wool comes from the lamb. And the curtain... 
is the great divide, right? It's the great divide that separates the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, okay, from this court of priests, okay, where you have the table of showbread and the altar of incense and the candelabra. The priest would only write, high priest would go in once a year, day of atonement, and he would offer up the blood. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brethren, have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Right? He, he was made of the earth, the flax, the elements of the earth. He was the son of man, fully human. And he is the lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How many of you knew that before you came here tonight? I've looked at that passage. <laughs> I've looked at that passage for 40 years and been like, you know, Lord, what's, what's with this? You know, I, I understand some of the, you know, the, the commandments. They were hygiene. They were to keep the people from becoming ill. They were to keep them from getting illnesses, um, separating themselves from the, you know, the peoples of the, of the lands. But I, I don't understand, Lord, is, you know, why can't you mix these, you know, these two elements in making clothes? Because it was something incredibly sacred. The priest right, is a foreshadow of Yeshua. The curtain is a foreshadow of Yeshua. The curtain has been torn. He was torn on the cross. And um, isn't that wonderful? I don't know. I, I love stuff like that. Josephus Flavius. You ever hear Josephus Flavius? He put the thought in my mind a few years ago. Josephus Flavius, he, he was talking. He said, the priest, the priestly garment. And then I started looking and saying, you know what? It's also in the curtain and I began to, you know, I began to explore it and understand it. But again, Leviticus 19, love in action. Right? Let us not merely love in word, but in deed. Put your lifestyle and your hands and your feet where your mouth is. <laughs> and um, that's, that's to love your neighbor as yourself. That's to do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. That's how we should be going through the world, folks. I just had a, um, I'll tell you this real quick. I had a young girl, a young woman, 30 years old. Uh, she's a, uh, she basically is a, an owner of an insurance company in Michigan. Went through a really hard time a couple of months ago with her fiance. And, um, and I, I had been sharing with them. They were living together. Uh, I talked to them about, you know, you really should, you know, get married. And I share my faith with them very, very lightly, nothing, you know, and, just built a relationship with them. And, uh, well, the relationship fell apart. I, I went out of my way to, you know, I mean, she pay, you know, they pay me, but they pay me for a certain amount of time. I went out of my way. I called her a number of times. You know, I do like, a, like I do as a pastor with people going through hard times. And um, she gave her life to the Lord the week before Easter. And then uh, I said, we've got to get you into a church. So we, we found this little church nearby, a Baptist church, preached the gospel. And uh, she went to the church. And she's a pretty bold woman. <laughs> and she goes in and she, that day, signed up for baptism. 
she signed up for the women's retreat and the women's group. And then went back, it was the Sunday after Easter, to get baptized, and um, she was the only person there for baptism. And she went right ahead with it, gave her testimony. And, um, and she's on fire for Jesus. I know God did it, but I know I was a little peace and just caring for her and loving her. And I think that, again, love in action, how effective is it in accomplishing the, the purposes of God? But agape is an action verb. Amen? Take that into your heart tonight. Let it simmer down. Receive it. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God. You know, you, you have called us to be a peculiar people, a people different than the world. We see so much, Lord, hate and Lord God, just people hurting each other. Even in families, Lord. Families around us, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would impress this message upon our hearts. Jesus, you are the embodiment of agape love. Live in us. Live through us. Lord God, purify us with your love. I need it more, Lord. I need more and more of it every day. And just have your will with us and your way with us, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me. Right after we sing uh, and praise the Lord, we'll just break up and go into groups. Thank you, Pastor Frank. What a great word from the Lord. Amen. Great nuggets of truth. I'm always praying for those nuggets of truth. The altars are open if you want to uh, come here and spend a little time. Prayer here before we pray together as we sing this song. And let this be your prayer tonight. Draw me close to you, Lord. Never let me go. Off of the Lord your life. I lay it down again, Lord. I'd love to hear you say, my friend.
Lord, for your holy word, your promises of truth that you are near to the brokenhearted, Lord, you're the friend that sticks closer than the brother, that you've written us in the very palm of your hands. God, we praise you, Lord, and we thank you this night, God. We just ask that you would allow us the privilege, Lord, of remembering what we've learned to share with others, Lord God, to let your word go ahead of us, Lord, lead us, Lord God, to those who need to hear your truth. Let seeds be planted, Father, that you, you, Lord, may cause the growth and draw all men to yourself as your word is promised. We want to honor you in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.